I'm Lisa Billiou, and I went from housewife to co-founder of the billion-dollar company Quest Nutrition and now president of Impact Theory. Our mission with this show is to empower you and all women to recognize you really can become the hero of your own life. Welcome to Women of Impact. An advocate for female empowerment, today's woman of impact took things into her own hands. Not knowing a soul, this gutsy woman drove from Michigan to San Francisco to work with women in politics in the hope to make a difference. She immediately made a name for herself and earned a position working on a political documentary. And it was here that she found her true passion of interviewing. She then did what every true entrepreneur does best. She turned her passion into a career. Oh, and what a bloody career it is. She took the then unknown platform of podcasting in 2005 and recorded her first episode in her living room with friends. The subject, sex. Well, that seemingly risky career change paid off and that same show now garners a million downloads every month, earning her a spot in the top 20 on iTunes. But to put her in a bucket of just a chick that talks about sex, it's kind of like saying the best soccer players in the world just kick a ball. To be the best, she knew she needed to develop her skills. So she took it seriously, went back to school and gained a doctorate in human sexuality. And since then, she's been a bloody force to be reckoned with. From a four-year run as co-host on the nationally syndicated radio show Loveline to contributor to Cosmo, Glamour, Men's Health, to guest appearances on The Doctors and The Today Show is literally just skimming the surface of what this woman has accomplished. She's officially creating global impact on both women and men. So please, guys, join me in welcoming the woman who is breaking barriers and destroying stereotypes, the woman who refuses to succumb to social taboos, the woman who is ripping off the blanket of shame from sex talk, the one and only host of Sex with Emily, Emily Morse. Hi. What's up? Oh, that was so... I got, like... I got like my heart for Clint, as they say. I was all warmed by that. Thank you. Honestly, that was longer. And then after I started reading, I was like, I have to trim. I have to trim. It was so like, you've done so many incredible things, woman. Thank you. That is super impressive. I'm so honored to be here on your show. Oh, thank you. I've got so much to talk to you about. (laughs) I was like, where do I even start? So let's just dive in. Okay. A woman talking about sex. So I'm sure you've heard it all, mm-hmm. um, but you went from being in politics right. to then turning into this type of career. Exactly. What was that transition like? What was the judgment like, or did you feel judgment? And then how did you overcome that? Yeah, that's such a good question. I, first thing I thought was my mother. She was so proud when her daughter was like running these political campaigns in San Francisco, out of college, you know? And my whole thing actually was women. Mm. I wanted to work for women running for office. It was 1992, it was the year of the woman, and there was like, it was Boxer and Feinstein, and there was like women, all these women running in California. I was like, Mom, I'm moving to San Francisco. And I did. I got in my car, I drove out, and I was just, I, and I loved working in politics. You didn't know anyone though, right? When you person. jumped in your car. Not one person. I know. I had a little geoprism and drove across the country in three days because I was super type epic. I gotta move there, I gotta get there and get a job. And so, yeah, and it was pretty amazing too, because I've always been a very like hard worker and I and I was working for all these women, helping them get elected, and I and I really loved it. I always knew I'd be working because my mom always raised me like, you know. This was her main tenant, and I realized this later. I always heard her voice in my head, never rely on anyone to take care of you. And at the time, it was like, never rely on a man to take care of you, because she went through a bunch of divorces, and she's self-made, she's a financial planner, and she was like, so in my head, it was like, I translated that as, well, I'll always be working. And if I want to always be working, what do I love? So anyway, I love working in politics, but what I realized was after a while, I became a little disillusioned, and I became obsessed with documentaries at the time, and so I made, directed this film. After that film, to answer your question, I was like, 
okay, I don't want to shoot direct edit, but I love interviewing people. And that's how I came up with Sex with Emily. And I thought, if I'm going to be doing something, again, what do I? What am I passionate about? Because with, with, with anything, with documentaries or with, with film or art, you want to love what you're doing. And I thought, I've never, I had zero sex education. Um, I knew nothing about sex. And I was always the person who was like, how, how did you guys fall in love? How did you get married? How did you meet? How do you have amazing sex? So yeah, I started the podcast and I started Sex with Emily. Going into sex, there was a lot of judgment. My mom's like, you're throwing it away. What are you doing, like leaving this career in politics to go into sex? Um, and I think a woman talking about sex is just still, I mean, it's changed now. It's mm -hmm. been 13 years, but I think that there's so many assumptions because because I think you say sex and people think like oh is she slutty is she a prostitute right um, do, do you pay for it are you sleeping with everybody and so I think I really had to overcome that but the truth is I was really naive I didn't do a lot of research like what is this gonna mean branding mm -hmm. there was no social media it was just I am so passionate about this if I'm doing my first podcast in my living room I knew in that moment I was like I have found it one thing I want to first touch upon is so your mom like, oh, why are you doing this? How do you, what did you say to her to ease her? Because I think that a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, they've gone to college, you think you know what you want, but most people that I've met, if they start following their passion, it usually ends up in a different kind of category to yes. what they studied. And I think the biggest thing that people have, the hurdle they have is the judgment or the parents' pressure. Yes. So what did you say to your mom to kind of help question. you? Like, did she support you? Did you have to like convince her? Did well, you ease her into it? Yeah, I'm still, and I make jokes about it because my mom is very proud of me now, but I think it's mostly because, here's what she was most concerned about is, is, is honestly money. I had no business quitting my job at the time as a producer. I got a producing job after my documentary. I was really struggling. I, I went through the period of like selling all of my things and living on a friend's couch while I was shooting a reality show for Bravo. I went through so much struggle and turmoil, but I still believed in Sex with Emily because it was like, but mom, people are listening to it. People are responding. Since entrepreneur, you know, like all these great things happening, but you still can't pay your bills, but you mm -hmm. still have to somehow, I still had that belief. I still had that drive. And I, I make jokes like, oh God, she says I have a relationship show, but truly my mom always raised me that you could do whatever you want to mm -hmm. do and you can overcome anything. And so I didn't really have to deal with any of the, um, her being like, no, like pivot, pivot. It was more like when I was like asking her to pay my health care insurance, my health insurance, right? When I was like 39. And so she was like, uh, really? And I think she was just, that's what scared her. But now that it's been successful and mm. I can do it, she's like, she is very, very proud of me. I want to encourage people that you have to keep mm. like following that dream and that fire inside you. And while I have some regrets, I would never give any of the struggle up, right? The struggle, you know, the struggle is real, but it shapes you. I will never forget that. I can't, I, I look back on it less than 10 years ago that I, I went through what I did, right? Like literally selling everything I owned. I was cleaning houses. Mm. My fear was like the nine to five hating mm -hmm. what I did is that I loved politics from a sheer passion, but once I realized like I like politics, but I became disillusioned, then I made a film about it. And then I realized, well, forget politics, I like interviewing people. So I kept taking a look, stepping back and going, what do I love doing on a day to day? What's my idea of a perfect day? Do I want to be around people? Do I want to be alone? Do I want to be in charge of creative? Like, because really at the end of the day, you want to make sure that what you're doing is kind of filling your basic, you know, human mm -hmm. needs about what makes you thrive the best. And so. did you hold on to that in the moments of struggle? Because so many people, if you've done that first step of like, okay, I'm gonna change paths and I'm on my way now, and then you hit a brick wall, a lot of people stop there and be like, well, I knew I shouldn't have done it anyway, and they go back to what they started, right. you know, they did initially. 
what made you not stop? Like, is it that mentality of, I sat down and said, this is what I'm passionate yeah. about, this is what drives me, and I'm scared of yeah. the nine to five? Like, what is well, that? I think maybe some entrepreneurs can relate to this. I launched it in June 2005, and a year later, I got a call, and they were like, it was CBS Radio in San Francisco, and they said, we're doing FM Talk. It was called Free FM. And they're like, we love your show. Can you do a call-in show um, on Saturday nights? Mm. I got a book offer. I got a TV pilot. I was like, oh my God, right away off the bat. And then what happened was a few years in, Pilot didn't get picked up. The station went out of business. So early on those first four years, I was like, it's happening, it's happening. But then when everything was kicking me down, I remember sitting in San Francisco, my apartment just crying, being like, universe, why? Like, I still believed in it, but I still was like, you know what? I have to make some money right now. So what I did was, since I had skills as a political operative and I knew how to do things, I actually was very humbling, but I went and worked for a woman who was running for mayor part-time, like answering phones and helping Mm. her collect. I went back to my roots and it was so like, I was in my late 30s. I had to go back, I had to be humble and take a job that I didn't love just to make enough money till I could kind of get over that hump. Because I was getting emails from people every day saying it changed my life. You've helped me so much. I was like, but this is why I'm doing it. And so Mm. I can't explain to you what that is, it's just, I knew it. I knew it in my heart. And there's not been many things in my life like that, in my gut, my soul, my heart, that this sex with Emily was going to thrive. I was going to be able to make a living doing it. And I just kept going. That's so incredible because there's that big difference of wanting something and then getting to it. And in between that, there are going to be times where you're struggling, you're falling on your face, you're hitting your rock bottom, you're having to sell your stuff, you're having to call call your mum at, would you say, 39 to ask her to pay your health insurance? Like, most people would be like, I'm too embarrassed, I'm going to stop that, I'm going to go do a nine to five and just live my life like that. I love that you're asking me these questions and I love what you're doing because I think we need to be inspired by each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't... I don't talk about this much, not because I'm embarrassed by it. I actually love, right now I'm like, yeah, I did it. Wow, okay, (laughs) thanks for asking. But we don't see the struggles. You're like, you're so lucky. Mm -hmm. You've just done a podcast. Oh my God, how did you know? I'm like, I didn't know shit in 2005. I didn't know anything. I still don't know. I still get up every day, go to the office. It's still kind of scary. That is what made, you know, made me who I am. So I'm... And that's why I think you're like, you're so incredible, so inspiring. So, you know, when I first met you, um, it was actually here. You yes. came to do an interview with the boys from Mind Pump. Love those guys. And that was the first time I met you. And they're like, oh, there's this lady, you know, she does a podcast <laughs> with Sex with Emily. And immediately I was like, okay, a chick that calls, talks about sex. That's cool. But I didn't really think beyond that. And then when we met and we hung out and we went for dinner and I started like reading up of me, I'm like, you're a freaking powerhouse woman. What you've done and accomplished and what you've gone through and the, the struggles is so inspiring that I think it's so important for people to see that and talk yeah. about that because they can get so caught up in the fact that it's about sex, which what? I definitely want to start talking oh about. Oh my God, like, for sure, right? On top of trying to start your own business, it's about sex. Right, so now let's go into that then. How <laughs> right. do you overcome that? Like. How do you, or maybe you don't even care, but my impression of you was, okay, cool, a woman that likes to talk about sex. It wasn't like, she's so, like, she's got a doctorate, she's really understands humans, understands personalities, character, like psychology. There's so much behind it. Um, Did you have to, like, try and convince people? You're like, screw it, I don't care. I didn't, honestly, and again, I think it's that ignorance is bliss, or I was really naive. Mm -hmm. When I started the show, I was in no way an expert ever on sex. I was literally the guinea pig. I was like, oh my God, I just went to my first sex party. I had a threesome. They sent me a free sex toy. And now we get, like, literally, like, 25 pounds of sex toys a week. It's so funny you're asking me this, because... I don't remember having to shy away from sex. I've always been very proud of it. So wherever I went um, to a dinner party or I was waiting in line for my dry cleaning, 
is that whenever I told people what I did, they were like, oh, wow, that's cool. Can I ask you a question? I've got this bump. Or how do I ask my girlfriend to, you know, do this thing for me? So wherever I go, people have a question. You probably have that around health and nutrition. I think we were both at dinner. I was like, wait, so tell me about this. So it's this universal topic, but the difference about sex is there's not a lot of people talking about it in a really honest, open, non-judgmental way. So I wasn't carrying all of that judgment around with me. I just knew my day-to-day life, who I was meeting, and the response I was getting. And it was always very, very positive. Mm. People are really just, they want to know more. They want to talk more about it. I think we're at a great time now. People are very open to sex and relationships. And we all need more information. I think the show has really filled a gap where it is just a hole, if you will. We have abysmal sex education. I want to say in the States, but pretty much everywhere. I can speak for England, you're right. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we walk around thinking that sex is this area of our lives that should always be perfect. Mm -hmm. It should always be magical. We should never have to talk about it with our partner. And the second it's not great, we should dump it or we should end it and there's something wrong. And so I'm just here to say over and over again, no, you got it. Communication is a lubrication. Talk about your sex life, understand your body and without shame and judgment. Yeah, why do you think that is? Because you know, you even said, I'm sure people ask me all the time about fitness and it's such a like, Fitness to me is part of um, well-being, right? Mindset about living the great life. I think sex is too. But people can very easily openly talk about fitness anywhere and everywhere. But the second it comes to sex, people start shying away. Like, what do you think it is about that? That people shy away, even more so women. Women, oh my God, Why do we? I'll tell you why. It's because it's not talked about in our churches, our synagogues, definitely not around the dinner table. Even our friends don't talk about it as mm. much, right? Like, I wish that my friends in high school had talked more about masturbation because I didn't even know about it. I started having sex and I didn't have an orgasm. It's a whole other story. My friends were like, don't you masturbate? I'm like, it never even occurred to me. So how great <laughs> would it have been if we did talk mm. about it? So we don't say it in our culture anymore. It's still hush-hush. We can't even say vagina on television up until 10 years ago, which is like anatomically like what it is called. <laughs> Penis was fine, vagina mm. wasn't. So we're just, you know, so that's like society. And then... There's so much shame around it. So I think that women and men have shame around our bodies, around being slutty, around slutty, asking for what we want in bed. There's no great role models. And there's, so that's why there's no demonstration around it. We are left to deal with our own sexual insecurities, body image issues, Mm -hmm. feeling like we have to be one thing when we don't feel that way. You know, and women are such caretakers that we feel like I want our partner to be happy. It's not around our own sexual pleasure. I'm here to tell you, none of that's true. And then there's also religion and there's shaming and trauma. So that's why there's there's shame and there's trauma and there's judgment. And we realize that if we do bring up sex, that will just be shut down, which you probably will be. Like yeah. we probably will be. Like they don't want you to talk about it in the workplace. So that is why there are. And so my goal like is really just to like have it taught in schools, like talk about pleasure not just scaring people with STDs and pregnancies. Mm. And we don't even know how to talk about it to ourselves, to our partners or to anyone. So that's why. Until you started your podcast, <laughs> right. and now you're breaking all barriers, girl. Yeah, it's it's so incredible because even for myself, going from like terrible education, right, um, on sex education, didn't really know anything. My mum, it was taboo; you couldn't really speak about it at home. Um, so it was, I kind of had to figure things out right. as I was getting older. And this is back before the internet, right? Showing my age, right? Um, so it's not like you could just Google stuff or like no. watch porn and learn, right? Like it literally was; you had to figure it out, and all the mistakes are kind of made along the way but until I think I met my husband Tom I did shy away from talking about sex yeah. communicating um, figuring out what I liked and he was 
influential in my coming out. Like, be expressive on who you are. Yeah. Baby, sex. You know, you can be a sexual being and not be a slut. Right. You can own your sexuality and dress that makes you feel good right. and not shy away that you're worried that someone's going to call you something. Exactly. And once I started doing that, I found confidence. That's exactly what it is. That's where the confidence comes from. Is that I think I hear from I do hear from women all the time who are like. Do I have to act like the girls in porn? Do I need to not show him what I want because he's going to judge me and think that mm -hmm. I'm slutty, all that? But the second you start doing it, you realize like, oh, this is what's missing was our own acceptance of ourselves, our own love of our, our body. And our partners are dying for us to tell them what we want right. and they want to figure it out. They don't have all the answers. So you're absolutely right. Self-confidence, that's where it comes from. And I found the self-confidence not just in the bedroom though, but in my everyday life, in business, in being a woman, in walking into a boardroom. Like when I put my knee-high boots on, <laughs> I feel different. Right. If I put on like something that I'm like, oh, you kind of look good, Lisa. Like I, I carry yeah. myself differently, which means that then I approach things differently. I, I, it just switches my mindset. Yeah, exactly. And being healthy and eating right, all those things. And when you're having orgasms and you're, people are like, how do I, I hate my body? I'm like, masturbate, masturbate every single day or whatever mm -hmm. feels right mm -hmm. to you. Take that time because you're literally your hands have such power to give you pleasure. And so once you do that, you like can really truly learn to like love your body and, and to kind of have that serotonin rush and the dopamine and all the things that come with with sex and orgasm and that will that will spill over into every area of your mm. life and you're absolutely right yeah. and you walk into that whether it's a boardroom or a bedroom right and like this oh, is what I, I am like this that. is who I am yeah this is what I want <laughs> yeah that's right. great yeah um going back to so you were brought up you, um, your parents divorced when you were young mm -hmm. and they both remarried multiple times yes um, <laughs> did that have an emotional effect on you in regards to relationships marriage Absolutely. sex and then how Hi, did you sex with Emily never yeah again everything in our life I think is I want to say a gift but in a way some things are really hard but our struggles and our pain and our suffering is exactly who makes us who we are today mm -hmm. so I think that my infinite curiosity for understanding love and commitment but a lot of my show is not just about sex it's right. about relationships and dating and marriage and love stems from the fact that my parents got divorced at nine. I attended four of my wed parents' weddings before I was 25. It was a struggle, and I, I like, well, their relationships are disposable, and there's no, doesn't look, actually, this whole marriage thing looks so not fun to me. Psychology 101 would tell you that my parents' divorces, the marrying divorce, the discarding the partners, and then my dad dying suddenly when I was 19. So I'd like to figure out what, what it is about love and what it is about having great sex and marriage. So really that was sort of one of the bases for me starting Sex with Emily oh. was that I don't get it. 50% of marriages end a divorce. Like it's a failing business, but I want to turn it around. I want to know what works for people. Mm -hmm. So when it started, I was like, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I want to interview everyone I know and every people out there to find out like, the experts. What is a secret to successful marriage, successful like relationship and having amazing sex? Mm -hmm. So I think I took all of my pain and suffering and confusion around it and mm -hmm. I want to figure it out so I can help myself and others. I love that you're able to look back at things like that, which again could crush people, ruin their yeah. life, ruin any future relationship, ruin their sex life. Um, but you've been able to actually spin it around and make that your strength. Because yeah. of this, I figured it's exactly. kind of giving you a path to go on. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I mean, again, these are all such great questions because I don't really, internally I think about it, I'm sure I've 
mentioned it before, but for sure, like those things, those struggles are, and we all have them. Even if you had the perfect family, the perfect childhood, perfect on paper, it doesn't exist. Of no course. one's childhood is perfect. Nothing is perfect. When you struggle and you suffer you and you get through it, that's, that's where you get your real sincere uh, skills and strengths that mm. kind of make who you are. Yeah. So. The one thing that you just said is you, um, you've decided to not have children or get right. married. Yeah. So how do you overcome that stereotype? Because That's, I'm I'm in that same situation. Obviously, I'm married, but my husband and I have chosen to not have children. Right. And it took me a year to say that out loud. Even though Tom and I had decided we were very happy with that decision, yeah. for me to actually verbally say that to people, because I was insecure that I would be judged. Right. All of a sudden, if you don't have kids, oh, you're not a real woman or you're not a nurturer and it took me a long time to own that and say no I am a nurturer right. I love taking care of people right. I just choose not to have children exactly to then pass on you like to do that nurturing with like right. I, I surround myself with people that I want to nurture like all day long I want to nurture right. right exactly I totally get it I said I remember at 19 saying okay so really like having sex with one person for the rest of your life that seems so boring like who would ever want to do that but I always knew at the back of my head I'm open to it. Mm. I'm open to like seeing if that changed over time and it really didn't. So so first I'll address the kid thing. I feel like my business has been my baby, my friendships, my nurturing. So to me that is so fulfilling. I get to travel, I get to do whatever I want in the world and just having a kid just never I guess my body never spoke to me that way. Like women talk about their biological clock and they just mm. know they want it and I think that's amazing and you should do it. Conversely, I think there's a lot of women who think they should, like you said, they're gonna be judged if they don't, like that's just my lot in life, but I never did anything that way. I knew that that wasn't my path. I have no like, zero regrets around it and I really hope that women watching this can kind of see us as these examples of like, you can have a really rich, full life. So I think, go with your gut. If you don't, don't the, the kids are not something you wanna talk yourself into. Mm. So I think it can be really, I think more women do need to talk about it. And, yeah. um, and I, I'm, I'm glad that we are talking about that. So, and the marriage thing, you know, I don't know. I just also felt like, what is the purpose of, of that? You know, I am in a relationship right now with someone that I'm, I'm really in love with and it's great. And you know, who knows what could happen, but I just, I didn't orient myself that way. I don't mm. see why we, we, we need it. And I always felt, again, if I meet someone and I'm truly in love with them and I think, and this is what I said about kids too, I thought, if I'm with someone and we both agree and I'm like, well, of course we should have children. We both want that. Mm -hmm. We need to reproduce now. I would be open. It wasn't yeah. like I was like, no, I will never do it. Mm -hmm. I was open, but you know, my life yeah. goes on and I just, I keep moving forward and it's just not my jam. Yeah. Tom and I were the opposite. When we got married, we were like, yeah, we're having kids. I was brought up Greek Orthodox. Yeah. When I wanted to go to university to do a film degree, my dad was like, okay, well, you're going to get married and have kids in a way, so it doesn't really matter. So right. he was like... You'll just get this, over that career yeah, thing. Yeah, he really did think that. And I, well, Tom and I thought we were going to have kids, but as our lives changed, our priorities changed. And so we really did speak about what our priorities are, and every year we would have that same discussion. It's like, okay, is this what we want to do? Is this the path we want to take? What's the pros and what's the cons? What are you actually... Like, having the real conversation right. of... Tom was like, I'm... I'm driven. So if you expect me to come home every night at 6 p.m., that's not going to happen. Right. I'm going to come home when work is done. Now, if I come home, I'm then going to want to spend time with the kids. So are you okay with me spending less time with you? And I was like, no. <laughs> right, absolutely not. I love how you guys talk about things. It's so rational. But think of all the people who are shocked when they have kids. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, our relationship fell apart because you didn't talk about it beforehand. Right. You didn't picture what it actually means mm -hmm. to be responsible for another human being besides yourself. And that's, that's why so I love... healthy. Oh, thank you. I love you guys. But that's why I love you and what you do, right? Because when I look at 
all the decisions you've made and the fact that like it's about sex and you've chosen to not have children like it's so easy for people to put you in a bucket right oh she's that type of woman put her over there i'm not like that but what you have accomplished from a business perspective the way you think about things the psychology you think about dealing with these people like it's real emotion of the you know the marriages i'm sure you're saving oh, yeah um tell me a bit about that like how people respond from an emotional standpoint of the kind of tools that you're starting to give them i think the tool that i give couples and i know this because they call into the show and they email me either is that is that um is that I really talk a lot about communication. I think we are not not only about sex but just about relationships and your desires and what you want and that your communication as a couple has to come first and foremost in the you got to talk about everything and we just assume again like not just sex but things should just be perfect and work without communication. So the emotional response I get from couples almost every day is that you saved our relationship, you saved my marriage or you you know a woman this morning struck message me on Instagram and she was like thank you for giving me the self confidence to ask for what I want in bed. You finally made me feel like it was okay to be a sexual woman, to be a sexual being and to ask for it. If you don't keep moving forward, you know, if if you're not constantly moving forward, you just sort of stagnate, you know? Like you die. Mm-hmm. You really do. If it, your relationship is everything stagnates, your business is going to stagnate, your workout routine, your sex life. And so I think the permission I give people and the advice I give people is no, you have to work on it. And working on it doesn't mean like it's dying, it's, it's dead or there's a problem. It means that you're actually going to have growth. Growth comes from change and from talking and working. So I love that you said it on another interview where basically like fitness you wouldn't expect to go to the gym if you lift the same weights every day if you do the same exercise right. every day why would you expect any change yeah. and that sex is exactly the same exactly. when you said that I was like oh my god it's so true yeah like the same position every night even the same toy the same bottle like the same porn like even if you're doing all the things if you guys have threesomes every weekend you're going to get bored of that as well so and that's why I think it's exciting the thing that I also think I've flipped on its head for couples is that Once you get past the shame and the weirdness of talking about sex, which yes, it's not easy. It's it, it's never even if you're in a long-term relationship, it might be awkward sometimes. But once you peel all that away, you realize it's actually fun. It becomes like a new activity that you share working on your sex life together. It becomes like just as much you talk about your favorite Netflix show, where you're going on your next vacation, you're like Honey, I found this great thing. Let's try this tonight. Like Sex with Emily said, that's what I love. Two people kind of use me as a reference. Mm, I was like, so I was listening to Sex with Emily, and she says if we watch porn together, mm. it can actually be really healthy. I'm like, great. Blame me. Listen together. And so I think that that permission to have it be this living, open, breathing thing that you guys get to share. I mean, there's really I don't know what else you guys get to share that 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 that's intimate. That is that intimate and has that much potential for growth and pleasure and satisfaction than your sex life. So. And literally my next question was going to be <laughs> what how do people approach that subject? But that's so interesting that they yeah. kind of use you're like the gateway yeah. into like that open communication. Yeah. I'm like blame me. Couples always email me and I think this is funny They're like, "Oh, we listened to you on a road trip for 12 hours." Wow. Like people love to binge on mm-hmm. it cuz Maybe you just can't listen to one, but you're like, okay, yeah, after because after a while there's a lot of themes I talk about like being open and talking and communication is a lubrication. I say that every I know, single I love show. That <laughs> because the more you talk about sex, it's going to get better. So, I think that um how do you do it if you've never talked about it before? I always say like my I have a few rules around it, but they're not too strict. Basically, outside the bedroom. So, you don't want to be like, okay, babe, that like you roll over after sex and be like, we need to talk about it. Our sex life is abysmal. Like take it leave the bedroom for sleeping and for sex. Like that's it. Do it in a neutral environment. Maybe it's at breakfast, maybe it's when you're going on a walk. I love driving in the car because you're you drive, you don't have to make eye contact. If that's so weird for you, you can be like, so babe, let's talk about our sex life. 
And you don't want to be blaming and shaming. So not like, you never ever initiate sex. So the best way to do it is like, babe, I've been thinking a lot, you know, I love us. I love our relationship and let's just start talking about our sex life. I mean, I love us, I love the sex we're having, but why do we create a sexual bucket list where we each write down three things we want to try and we exchange those lists? We start with that, right? And, and if you don't know any, you can do it together. You can be like, let's do some research. Let's watch some porn. Let's read a book. Let's read erotica and let's put like bookmarks in places that we think is hot and revisit it. I mean, really there's, there's no wrong way to do it except if you blame shame. And even if you do it in the bedroom, that's okay. But it's just about together. And it's good. it might be awkward, but once you do it, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off and you will be so grateful. Those are great tactical um, tips. Specific that's tips. amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to start talking about the difference between men and women because there is a big difference. And I think that some people try to be like, no, it's like just own it. There is a difference. Yes. The one thing that my husband used to say to me is, look, women want romance to want sex. Men want sex to want romance. Mm-hmm. And so once he said that to me, um, it, like everything just kind of fell into place because I've got some friends who sometimes complain that husbands don't give them romance, right? They, he never buys me flowers. He never does this and that. And then when I ask them, well, do you ever like just pounce on him when he walks in the door? They're like, no. And so for me, I'm always thinking like it has to be a give and take, right? Yes. In that relationship. Right. What is your opinion on that? Have yeah. You I mean, I, what we have to understand the difference between men and women is that, is that it's basically how we are wired. We get turned on so differently. And I always say that men are frying pans and women are slow cookers. We require, I always say foreplay is not a suggestion, it's a requirement. We actually need, so with the romance, it doesn't have to be flowers. Like for me, it's like my boyfriend saying, babe, you look so hot today, or you're so sexy, or good job with work. Like I like the words, I like him like talking and all that verbal foreplay. Mm. And then I'm gonna get turned on. We're different because women, our brain is the largest sex organ. So women actually, the more we can keep our pilot light lit and be thinking about sex and keeping it top of mind, um, will help, will serve us so well in the bedroom. Because you always hear like men think about sex eight million times a day or whatever the stats are and women don't as much. There's some truth to that in the sense of men just walk around and they'll see like a melon and they'll get turned on, right? They're like, oh my God, that melon. And women are just, our brain has to be on board with it. We don't visually see something as much. I'm not saying never, but we just don't work that way. So for women, I would say like, it is hard sometimes when your partner wants it and you don't because we just didn't do the work to mm. prep yet. We're not there yet. And so for guys, again, they might see you and they're really turned on. Like, so what's been really helpful for me is like, um, and for a lot of couples is just understanding, like, I love the love languages. Did you read the love mm-hmm. languages? I, think I didn't, might, I read the equivalent. Yeah, you can do the quiz too, yeah. right? Like there's mm-hmm. five ways that we all ex- experiencing, experience love. It's words of affirmation. So my partner saying like, babe, you look so sexy or whatever, like you look great today. Physical touch. So you just might mm-hmm. always want to be like touched all the time. It's um, gifts. So you came home and you thought to bring me flowers or you thought to buy me that shirt I saw. I love that. It's acts of service. You saw that my gas tank was empty and you filled it without me asking. And then it's um, quality time. Mm-hmm. That's a big so, so usually there's quality time is just like, it's not that we just, we are going, we have a plan every Saturday night, we're going to movie and dinner, you're not bringing your friends along, you're not on your phone, you're not working, but it's quality time, just the two of us. And typically in hearing that, there's two of those that will resonate. And typically they're not the same as your partner. You're mm-hmm. lucky if there's a match, but usually it's not. So for me, it's physical touch and words of affirmation. So if we don't touch, I'm like, what's wrong? You not, I'm not turned on, I'm not ready. I feel like I am not loved. And love is a precursor sometimes to being turned on. When you're with someone for a while, it might, sex, you might not even be able to get to the sex because there's so much built up resentment. 
and there's like, you can't even be turned on because you're upset that they haven't taken out the trash or they didn't show up for your friend's birthday party or your own things. And so we can't even, there's been so much things that have happened that we can't get to it. So when you can kind of figure out how your partner needs to be loved, because typically we, we don't, we give love the way we want it, it to be received. So I might be touching a partner all the time and he's like, but you're not spending quality time with me. So that doesn't matter you're touching me, but I'm touching him all the time because that's what I need. So figuring out how you both want to be loved. But, but as far as like figuring out how you turn each other on, I think it just comes to like communication and building in all these different tools and it's different for every couple. So I think I just give the tools and then people have to take it and run with it and figure out on their own what works for them. Just starting to talk about it. Therapy is great for couples who can't get past things. I'm a huge fan of therapy. Just like you need an accountant, you need someone to help you through business, you are gonna need a fine tuning and I think most couplers are gonna need therapy. And it can Didn't work wonders. Didn't you say wonders. therapy is like your, is your religion? Yeah, yeah, it is my religion. It really is. My parents. That was one thing they did. They're like, put me in therapy when I was like 10. Mm. They were like, we're getting divorced. We can't talk about it. You go figure it out. And that's what I love because everything you're talking about, so therapy, getting your mind right, getting your relationship right, getting your, um, and when I say right, what's right for that person um, and your sexuality on par. Like all of those things I find so empowering that then I embody in every aspect of my life. How have you found or have you found the more you learn, the more you kind of dig deep into sexuality or the more people you have on your podcast, has that affected your everyday life? Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like we are never done learning and I'm never done. I'm not as arrogant enough to think that I know every single thing about sex and relationships. So I am constantly like learning, growing, going back to school and and I love it, reading and taking classes and all that. Personally, yeah, I think I'm in, um, it's definitely affected my relationships. I did all the stuff that I tell people not to do. I faked orgasms. I was, I was a cheater like in my twenties. I used to cheat. I used to just do things to please my partner. I cared way more about their pleasure than my own. Mm. I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted. I would try to be sexy for my partner and I didn't, like you were saying, put it on your boots and I didn't know, it didn't matter that I felt sexy. It was more like, well, he would think this was sexy. So I made all those, you know, I want to say mistakes, or I, I, I was challenged by all of those things. So now I'm like, I can't get away with any of that. The so fact that now. you've changed so much and that you actually taken ownership of, like you said, you've cheated, you faked it. Like <laughs> there's so many things that you're now in hindsight looking back and taking ownership and clearly have grown from it. Does that type of growth then spin into your business of like, I mean, you've got an app, you've done TV shows, you've yeah. written articles. Like, has that kind of translated into other aspects of your life? Yeah. I mean, well, I think everything, it all feeds into each other. Because once you have that confidence now, I'm not worried every day, like, how to pay my rent and what's going to happen. I haven't really, like, and I had to learn everything by doing, too, which is much where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like, you have to do everything in the business, right? Like, I was you know, working on the website and doing all the social media, I did everything, like recording the podcast and editing. I just started to think, no, I can't even work the equipment, right? But I, you have to do it all. So now I think, yeah, it all feeds into each other. But I have to tell you that it definitely is gets better all the time. And I communicate and I'm open and, um, and I'm very driven in my life, in my personal life, my professional life, and in my sex life to keep making it better. How do you actually get to that point though? So there's, you know, like, let's assume there's young people right now or even older people who just still can't accept themselves for who they are, right? They're trying to be perfect and they're trying to do, you know, appear to be, have the perfect life because they think that that's what they should be doing. Did you have to do something to your mindset to then accept? Like, you know what, I'm not perfect and that's okay. It's so funny because, God, we're all so different in different ways. I've always been one who, 
um, I think my biggest struggle is that I'm actually, it's funny, I've just thought about this lately that I say I'm really not in judgment. I don't judge people and I'm really open and honest and accepting, which is 100% real. And I realize this is a very vulnerable moment. I take all that, I do it towards myself. I'm really hard on myself. I'm really like, like I'll even finish the interview going, did I talk too much? I didn't pause. I should probably have more voice training where I'm giving you specific points. Here's the three points to better sex. I turn a lot of judgment on myself that why can't it be easier for me to remember things or like the ADD thing has been a huge struggle in my life, which I don't talk about as much, but it's like the more that I talk about it and the more I say, listen, I'm sorry if I sound distracted. I've, I'm a little, I've probably focused. People are like, great, I get it, me too. I'm that way, my kid's that way, my boss is that way. So people just embrace it because we all have our own challenges. So I just think for me, the more open I am and honest to people, like the more they just embrace you more because then you're real. So it wasn't like anything I had to consciously be like, today I'm going to be vulnerable. Right. I think I always have been, but I just think the more I've gotten positive feedback from it and people are like, you really got to suck it up and be strong. You know, there's times for that, but there's also like, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And I like just kind of bring all my stuff along with me. And I know that it doesn't make me less of a person. It makes me maybe more relatable mm -hmm. and someone that people can really trust and open yeah. up to. So. I love that and I thank you for being so vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's really important for people to see because people will think, oh, she's successful and you know, she has this perfect life and she's beautiful and so like they're going to kind of dismiss you, I think, um, in some areas, but it's like, no, you're actually dealing, dealing with every these raw things every day. Like every single day. Like I deal with so many, you know, God, so many things. So I no way walk around going, I'm perfect. I do think that, the, you know, our brains, like evolutionary speaking, are not wired towards the positive. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. Like we constantly, it was a it was a survival skill to kind of scan the environment and be like, okay, like someone can come in the cavemen, like they're going to be able to steal our child. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with the roof here that could leak through our thatch hut. We are we are like that's how we've adapted mm -hmm. to look at what's wrong. And so I think to really go back, go oh, wow, I've made it. during your introduction. I'm like, yeah, okay, she's cool, that girl. She did a lot. And I was like, I felt the thing. I was like, I was like stirred by it. Cause I was like, I don't do that enough. So like when I was a kid, I would be like say something negative and I would be like five things positive. And I still have to work on that. So I think all of us have to realize that like it's okay to have the negative, but as much as you can, love yourself, praise yourself, take in the good. And that's what I work on every day. I love that. I yeah. recently um, put on a post-it note on my mirror that I have to look, like the mirror that I use every yeah. morning so I can't ignore it. And I just put a post-it note that says one win. And I heard it from a guest on our show, Impact Theory, that, we, and it's so true. I'm Humans, we're so used to like what you said, yeah. like what have we done wrong? What's going wrong? What's the fear? And I found myself in a pattern of looking back at the things I did the night before or the day before. I'm going, shit, I should have handled that differently. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, you messed up there. And it's we're not likely to pat ourselves on the back. Right. And while I think it's important to notice the mistakes you've made so you can adjust, like it's also important to give yourself, like, what was that one win right. you had the day before? Exactly. So just have a post-it note, this is one win. I'm Every morning that. now I, woke, I wake up and I'm like, okay, what was my win yesterday? I'm like, all right, cool. Right. And it just gives you a different emotional feeling. It's so true. We got to do that more. You're right. It's so, I mean, God, I want to like implement in the office too. I mean, they, yeah, no, it's, it's so freaking true. We can just look at the holes and things. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I constantly have this thing of I could do that better and that, but you're right. What are the wins? Where are the challenges? What did you, even if it's like, I went to the grocery store, right. I returned that pair of shoes that's yeah. been in my car for three yeah. months. The shit like that plagues me. I'm like, but you have all that. Things are all over the place, you know, but. There's many wins. How do you not let the negative then, because you said, like, I'm always critical of myself, like, oh, I should do this, I should do that. 
how do you not let that then be self-destructing? Because I think that that's somewhere where a lot of people find, right? It's like the negative yeah. voice can serve you, but then it can also break you. Mm-hmm. So do you have any certain things that you do to make sure it doesn't spiral out of control? I've really, I've been a meditator for a long time, probably about 20 years. I used to fall in the trap of being the perfect meditator. So if I didn't do it an hour a day, something was wrong. And now I give myself permission three minutes a day, you meditated. A minute a day of breathing, you meditated. So, but I think that realizing that your mind is a wild animal in the jungle and it's going to do whatever it wants unless you learn how to tame it and to recognize that those voices in your head are actually you. You have a 24-hour news cycle going on in your head that you are programming. And you can decide whether you want to feed it with a bunch of garbage, a bunch of negative things, or positive. So I've learned now when that tape is going thinking of positive things and pulling myself out of it and catching myself with that first negative thought and just killing it. Like this, I already know enough to know that if I go down this route, you can always find what's wrong. In every moment you could find a million things wrong, but like what is right? So that's one thing that really helps me is that I've just done it for so long that it actually is like an outlier in my brain now. Like, nope, you don't, that doesn't serve you. But other thing that really helps me is to, if I find myself going down that path, is to just, let's say I'm driving and I'm like, going off on a thing like what did I say or what did I do or what did I forget mm-hmm. I'm like stop that what's happening in the moment and I bring in the senses so my hands they have touched my hands are on the steering wheel what am I hearing I'm listening to a podcast you know what am I smelling okay we just drove past McDonald's what, what you know like all the senses and the minute you can anchor yourself into mm-hmm. the senses there's no room for your brain there's nothing in there that's just thinking when you're looking at your senses it's sight sound smell touch feel taste so the second you do that, it all fades away. And then you're in the moment, and you're like, oh, I'm driving in Los Angeles. Wow, you live in LA. Look at the, this happened to me yesterday. I'm like, you're in freaking Los Angeles. You have a car that works. You're driving. You have amazing friends. Look at those. I never noticed palm trees here on Wilshire. I never, never on Wilshire. I don't, Wilshire isn't so bad. Whatever it is. And you're like, I don't even remember what was going on in that. But what was happening a second before, I have zero idea. I'm grounded. And you can start anew. Because every second, you have a new opportunity to start something new. I would say 99% of our struggles have to do with these Mm -hmm. thoughts in our head that are not real. I love the analogy that literally your brain is in like a closed black box. Yes. And the own, the way it is thinking is through your sight, through the sound, through the taste, through the touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's creating a story that may not actually even be true. It's not true. And exactly. And, and we're programming. And not only is it not true, but. it's like someone's like Fox News running in my head and I can't change it. <laughs> I'm like, what? If I could program a channel, it'd be like the Good News Channel, not the Bad News Network. Right. The Good News Network. Here's another good tool I learned recently. What I can do even with my staff or friends, I'm like, let me check a story. Mm-hmm. And it's a great tool. I can be like, so at least let me check a story. This is not real. But I'm like, so I, was, I left your house yesterday and I was really worried that you were upset that I was late. I was not late. But I could be like, and you could be like, I didn't even notice you were late. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, good, because I've been tripping on it. You're like, no. So most of the time, if you check the story, like, let me check a story. You just It takes you out of it. It's yeah. not real. And that is also being very vulnerable to even let you know that I was worried about something. But you find that vulnerability actually brings you closer mm-hmm. to people and not pulls you further away. And that's just practice. I love that. That literally happened to me like three days ago. One of the employees texted me saying, I'm so sorry that I did X, Y, and Z. Like, I will never do it again. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And I was like, I didn't even know you did it. I was like, it's so, like, I saw it, but it so didn't occur to me that that was like, well, who cares? Like, I wasn't bothered. So I was like, oh, don't sweat it. And she's like, no, no, thank you so much for being so understanding. I'm like, honestly, it didn't even make my radar. 
Right. And going back to what you're saying, like say it out loud, communication, right? right? Going back to sex and communication is so freaking key because right. what's happening in your head is not necessarily the perception that other people have. Right. And most people are so obsessed with themselves too. We're obsessed with in the sense of we were trying to get through yeah, life too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I love that she did that. Yeah. You're that kind of boss can be like, no, I'm cool. Oh yes, I didn't bother me. Yeah. I could literally talk to you for hours. Um, yes. Congratulations so, on your show. Thank I'm you. For thank you, you so much for coming on. Um, please tell the audience where they can find you, where they can find your podcast, your website, all of that good stuff. It's all at sexwithemily.com is the website, and it's all at sexwithemily across the board on all social media. And then if you have any email questions, they can do the site or feedback at sexwithemily.com. I love helping people. I really do till the end. Send me your questions. I'm going to help you get there. That's awesome. Yeah, Thank guys, you you've got me. to check this out. Um, and then now my last question, though, is what is your superpower? I would say um, my superpower is, I got to say it's sex. I have to say that I have a, I'm the sexual superhero. I love that. Yeah. Can I ask you what your uh, weapon of choice would be? <laughs> no, <laughs> but that wouldn't even be it. God, what my weapon, I would say it would be lube. Honestly, lube is so underrated. If I didn't mention this, that you need you need social lubrication, you need uh, lubrication during sex. You need to add a few drops of lube. It changes every sexual situation. Women are more likely to orgasm. Have a bottle of lube by your nightstand every time you have sex. Freaking love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> my dear. Thank you. This so fun. Guys, if you're not following her, you definitely have to right now. Her podcast is incredible. She's raw. She's real. She's open. She's vulnerable. You've got to check it out. And if you're not already subscribed here, please click that subscribe button. And until next time, guys, go out and be your own superhero. What's up, guys? Lisa here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not already subscribed, please do click that subscribe button. Click, click, click away so you don't miss any new episodes that come out every single Wednesday. And if you do feel so inclined, it'd be great to get a rate and a review from you. That'd be awesome. That's how we get the show in front of more people and create more impact on more women. So until then, go out and be the superhero of your own life.